I kind of have like I, I don't want to spend too much time uh, uh, because there's so much I have to say about this episode. Yeah, there's there's like I you know I saw this episode a while ago because I didn't know if we were going to record last week or this week, so I watched it a while ago. Um, and just reviewing my notes, I'm getting just so mad <laughs> reading my notes again, remembering this episode. Um, I don't know. I'm just really excited to talk to you about it. Yeah, no, no, no. I just watched it and. It was upsetting. It's, yes, it's upsetting, but it's also conflicting. I feel like it it it, it has mixed messages. It's all over the place messages. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's like it's more of what we've been talking about, which is that they're finding their voice and they're trying to figure out what they want to say. Um, but like their treatment of women just does not improve at all. <laughs> no, and I, I just. This Ingrid character is just really yeah man. All like it, it it's so much. It doesn't improve so much that like I'm actually a little concerned with how we treat women in the future. Like I, they're a very big part of me. It was like, oh, we'll get there eventually. But like with each episode, I'm like, do we do we ever learn how to write women? I'm kind of scared. <laughs> yeah, you know, some things just don't hold up the way you thought they did so we'll see yeah and i'm really interested when we start getting it more into the cory topanga storylines if we're remembering topanga's character because in this i don't know in this episode she kind of represented i thought but um yes and no because and no i'm gonna get yes. there i'm gonna get yes there. and no let's just start yes. <laughs> What up, bros? And welcome to Bro Meets World. When it's Bro Meets World. Your Boy Meets World fan cast. Welcome to episode 35. I'm Siege. And I'm your boy, Tony and Curtis. Tony, Tony, Kurt, Kurt. You know, you know. So, what's going on, broski? How you doing? Um, I'm doing good. Um, this episode. Yeah. I think... <laughs> is one of the most interesting episodes we've seen in a really long time. And I'm just super excited to talk to you about so much of it. Well, this episode I... is good and interesting because I think what it does is it's like exactly right down the middle of the terrible lesson we got last week and the boy meets world we know and love. Yeah. I was going to say, this is a, a really good representation of just where we are in boy meets world right now. This kind of duality of bullshit and like profound lesson. Exactly. Um, I feel like there are even some things where, like, it's just it's filler, and you're like, why? Why did you even do this? <laughs> like, you know, you didn't yeah, to, you didn't have to do this. So yeah, I'm interested to start talking about it. So you All just right, want to cool, jump cool, in? Cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's do this. Uh, let's start with our. Tell me about it. Tell me about... Oh, did, did you want to do the harmony? Actually, I just want to keep that as is, because that was perfect for me. Okay, perfect. But you know All what? Right, yeah. make note to do the harmony next time. But that was just so... Next time. It was just so perfect. I just love it. <laughs> Keep all of it. Keep everything. All right, cool. So the tell me about it for this episode is it is the time for the annual turnaround dance, which I don't believe we ever see again. Nope. And Corey and Sean, uh, that the turnaround dance is where the girls ask the boys. Corey and Sean are, of course, worried about 
getting dates. Sean, not so much because Sean gets asked out immediately. Corey gets asked out by Ingrid, uh, who is not who Corey would like to be asked out by. And instead, they decide to pull a she's all that on Ingrid. And of course, hijinks ensue. I thought that was... That's a lengthier tell me about it than I would have gave it. <laughs> well, it I would have literally just... <laughs> said, I would have literally said, Corey and Sean, she's all that a ginger girl, and it backfires. <laughs> so I'm laughing because my original version was exactly that. But I was like, maybe, maybe some context is needed. But like, no, she's all that is basically. <laughs> well, I do want to give this episode some credit because this, this does predate she's all that however this concept of we're gonna make over a geek has been around for Ever. forever i mean Ever. like yeah, yeah. No, here's the thing i didn't even look up the date because i wasn't gonna be like oh they were inspired by she's all that i was like this this trope is a tale as old as time uh, and it's just <laughs> innately insulting and sexist is well not i'm sorry innately no yeah, insulting and sexist. It's insulting say. and sexist, which is funny yeah. because the whole point of the turnaround dance is supposed to be like women first or something like that. It's supposed to like flip the tables, but again, it no, so no, by. it's so it's so <laughs> sexist in itself because, and I think Topanga even later says it in the episode that like the whole premise that this is the only dance in which a woman could ask a guy is sexist. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I'm saying like it's a you know it was one of those things where. Uh, someone at some point in time was like, you know what we should do? We should allow the woman to ask the men. Women never get to do these things. And we I feel like this has <laughs> this has such a 1950s sock hop vibe. Like this seems so out of place in this like early 90s grungy Philadelphia that they're trying to paint. As I, opposed I, to Harley Kiner and the Greaser thing. Yeah, <laughs> like it just seems like there's just two different shows happening, and I don't, I'm not sure what year we're in. <laughs> Very good point. This is like one of those uh, hodgepodge concepts or times in a TV show where it's like you feel like you're getting so many different decades worth of storylines in one one season. Yeah, you know what I mean? And, and I think it just kind of speaks to the season as a whole of just they're figuring it out still they're, there's like they're getting closer to the recipe but there's still some seasonings that are missing exactly and, you ever watch but, the show archer no you, you always recommend it and i've seen a few episodes and it's the, pretty good but the i haven't gotten around to bring watch, it up is like watching it. in the show archer like the clothes are the 70s the technology will be sometimes futuristic but the settings in like the 60s and uh, it's always been, like, this whole thing of, like, what time is it supposed to be in? Sure. Uh, and, like, they just call that out every once in a while. They're just like, what t What year do you think this is? And they're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it just seems like someone was like, oh, what's high school? And then watched a bunch of, like, Happy Days episodes <laughs> and was like, oh, yeah, this is what high school is. The sock hop. Yeah. The so yes. Yeah, Sadie Hawkins dance. Like, I've Exactly. Well, I Anyways. mean, but then again, maybe this is very Middle America. Like, I don't know. Maybe Middle America actually does have these kind of dances. Guys, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been experienced or you've experienced a Sadie Hawkins dance situation, please write us and let us know. We'd love to hear about this if it even exists still. Exactly. I mean, like, you and I have always been coastal is all I'm saying. So sure. maybe yeah. Middle America does do this. I don't know. Yeah. All Anyways, right. so first thoughts. Let's just go with first thoughts. Where are you at? First thoughts, um, 
it's all sexist. Um, <laughs> I thought Corey and Sean were just flat out despicable in some of these scenes. Um, Ingrid, I don't know what to think of her. At some points, I'm like, girl, yes, get it. At other points, I'm like, what? Topanga has a moment in this episode that I really want to talk about. It's yep. not very long, but... Yep. I mean, it's, again, I, I, it, like, I think it speaks to what the writers are missing about this statement they're trying to make. Exactly. Thank you so much. Okay, so, all right. So, before we get into that, let's just do roll call. Real quick. Okay, yeah, sure. And sure. so, on the roll call, uh, we have Ingrid Iverson, who we brought up earlier. Is she the the daughter from the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids TV show? That is a good question. I have no idea. Let's look up Ingrid. One second. Season. If I get that right, holy crap, I pulled that out from the, <laughs> the, the back of my brain. I, here's the thing. With your brain, I'm never surprised, especially if it comes to, like, 90s television. Holy shit. I'm going to get goosebumps if I get that right. right so I, I want to get it wrong. Uh, I'm looking it up. Whoa. Ingrid did some things. Ingrid was one of those 90s kids. Would you ask to see who she was? If she was the daughter in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids television show. I don't see that on her IMDb. Uh, However, I will tell you, she was in several episodes of The Secret World of Alex Mack. That's where I know her from. That's it. She was the ginger friend on Alex Mack. (laughs) You say that so demeaningly. (laughs) She was also in the Babysitter's Club movie. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that's that's how I know her. I'm... She was also in Beverly Hills 90210. Girl has credits. Really? Girl mm-hmm. okay. has credits. Just gonna good good for you, Natanya. Yeah, I know her from Alex Mack. That's that's <laughs> I knew that Alex Mack was the one. I just wanted to yeah. give her the give her, her cred. Um so that's Ingrid. And then we have Allison Cheever. Allison Cheever. Allison... Oh, we have Allison. oh the the pretty popular girl. Yeah, the pretty popular girl that Corey wished was the one, or fantasized was the one that asked him out, uh, who eventually does ha- ask him out. And then we have Becky Schultz, which is, she's the number three popular girl in the school. <laughs> yeah, we don't see much of her. Yeah, no, no, we really don't. Um, but the way that they use her, I also wanted to talk about. Because she's just kind of used, she's used as a Topanga surrogate, I feel. I, you know what? I thought that, like, the whole, like, she's the third most popular. Like, who the fuck is doing this ranking system that, like, Corey, Corey constantly Corey seems all like the time. <laughs> there's these arbitrary rules to high school that just don't exist. And I just don't remember putting those kind of limitations or those kind of uh, restrictions on things in high school. Do, do you remember doing this? So, no, I don't. However,. Uh, all I'm going to say is I recently ran into someone we used to go to school with, and I am learning more and more of what what different social circles look like when you're not in that social circle. Does that make sense? Sure, sure. And, and what I mean by that is, like, I literally was talking to our other friend who is in town um, that I told you about. Yeah. When she came to visit. We were talking about my run-in with the other person and so she had one perception of this person i had a completely different perception that person had a different perception for the both of us and i was like oh it's really interesting to just see how these things like how people interpret one year of 
high school. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So I like here's the thing. I feel that it may not be something that you and I did, but that's because you and I were like preoccupied with other things. But I could sure. totally see Corey. Like this is definitely true to uh Corey, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Um I am happy that we saw Topanga again. I'm also we see what's her face? Uh Jonathan's booty. Cat, Miss Tompkins. Miss Tompkins, we see her again. So lots of females in this episode. Like, um, yes. I don't, I don't, I, I don't hate that. However, the way they're written is problematic. The Bechdel test. When you have uh, all these female characters, and you ask yourself, do they speak to each other at any point in time? Do they have any dialogue with each other, like about anything? Uh, usually, it's like. Uh, even if it's like not about the boy, but when you watch that, we have maybe the most women in an episode we've had in a while. And I think they barely talk to each other. Yeah. Hardly at all. If ever. <laughs> I, I don't know that I remember a circumstance. In which yeah. I can't think of it. Like, like, there are several times where like they're in the same room, uh, but they don't talk to each other. They only talk to the boys who are inside. Sure. I don't know. Like it's very, it's very, like I, this isn't a, um, a Bechdel cast, you know, like Bechdel meets world. That's not what we're doing. But it's just, it's funny to me that now that I, I can see it, you're just like, yeah, it's kind of a problem. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, okay. So I have a, I wanted to ask you about something. Go for it. Um, Eric is talking to Corey about this dance, about uh, how Eric, yeah, you know, he, he has this whole theory about positioning. Look, a turnaround dance tells you where you stand. I mean, the type of girl that asks you tells you who you are. Well, who are you if nobody asks? Then you're you. <laughs> well, how do you get asked by a cool girl? Positioning. Huh? Look, you want a cool girl? Hang near a lock. Stay in her direct vision. If she can't see you, she can't ask you. And then he uses that as an excuse to be super obnoxious to a girl. Um, Basically harasses her. He literally, like, grabs sure. onto her and won't let go. <laughs> Do you think there's any truth in this? If she can't see you, she can't ask you. Out of sight, out of mind. Um, I don't know if I don't know if it's just female specific. I feel like that's a lot of people. no. Yeah, yeah, just broad, broadly. Yeah, yeah. I think I think out of sight, out of mind is. I mean, like unless you have someone particularly in mind, I could definitely see that. You know, it's just like, oh, I didn't even know you were an option or. Whatever. Yeah, I, can, I, I I definitely, definitely think that that's a thing, because especially like in a situation like this, unless the girl is like going through the yearbook. <laughs> you well, know? I, I only ask because like, I, I mean, I can't really think of a circumstance now, but definitely when I was in high school, if I had like a crush on someone, I would take like the long way to class if I knew I could run into them. So that's why <laughs> I was just like thinking of things like that. Yeah, but like, what that meant was you still like. You had to see them. Yeah, exactly. You made an effort to see them. Is all I'm hearing. So yeah, totally. That kind of gives weight to it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. No, no. So let's go back to this thing you were talking about, the Topanga thing, because you and I had like very strong feelings about this, and I had said earlier that if Topanga's not in the episode, then I know they're not going to write women well. But in this episode, they use Topanga, but they literally use Topanga. It's like someone was like, we're paying Danielle Fischl, so let's make sure she's here, but then like, get rid of her. It's <laughs> almost like someone brought up in the writer's room, hey guys, this might seem a little sexist. 
Well, why don't we just have Topanga kind of point that out, and then we'll make a little joke about it to exactly. soften it up. Exactly. Um, <laughs> it can't be just, sexist. She's here. So, uh, just to be a little less like vague, there's a point in which Topanga raises issue about the dance when Corey approaches her about it. It's a protest. The concept of a turnaround dance implies that all the other times only the boys can do the asking. That's destructive, gender-biased thinking, and we have to get beyond that. And at that point, I'm like, fuck yeah, because I'm thinking that literally the entire time I'm watching this episode. Yeah. But then immediately after that, they follow it up with this clip. Why? <laughs> Besides, that weekend my daddy's taking me to New York for Christmas shopping. Exactly. You and I were on the same page. I was like, so wait a minute. Topanga's this feminist character who's just like, we don't need to subscribe to social norms. And then they undercut it with, besides, daddy is taking me shopping. And you're like, wait, what? And then, I mean, like, it's supposed to be played for fun, but at the exact same time, it also takes away from Topanga as a character. It's Topanga not who we cool. know. That's not Topanga. We know her and her dad at this point. But they don't give a shit about going to New York for shopping. Exactly. And she doesn't even call him daddy. She's always called him Jebediah. Yeah, that's also true. Who wrote this episode? <laughs> and it's uh, to me, it felt like they needed to feminine her, feminine her up. Yeah. To, like, after, like, her completely just... It just like she just fully protested this sexist dance, so I don't I don't understand why they needed to soften the blow with this. But that's what it seemed like to me. They were trying to soften her up. I don't know if it was to me. It wasn't even like soften her up. It was just that thing that we did a lot of in the '90s when feminism. Like I've been watching a lot of things that talk about feminism when it first came out, especially in the '90s. Uh, which, by the way, it's like not when it first came out. But anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Um, (laughs) uh, and in the 90s and it was always seen as like this joke and it's always like oh this feminist who honestly she wouldn't be this way if she had like the other things you know what I mean it's like uh, Topanga wouldn't be uh, feminist if she understood how hot she was Um, and this whole thing of like Topanga being like oh I'm a feminist but daddy's taking me shopping it's just like that, that way to undercut her uh, strong position. Well, to your point about like, um, you know, she would be less of a feminist if she understood how hot she was. If you apply that to this Ingrid character who shows up right after this whole interaction with Topanga. And let me just say the gingiest ginger who (laughs) has ever gingered. And, (laughs) And it makes me mad because they're doing that thing that they do in television where they take an attractive girl and just make her look ridiculous to try to make her look ugly or unhip. Like, exactly. She, has she this, came like, directly out of those awkward family photos in her first yeah, outfit. She comes out in this <laughs> dust bowl dress <laughs> and these, like, ridiculous peppy long stocking, like, braids. And I'm like, what are they doing to this girl? Like, obviously, she doesn't. No one looks like this. I exactly. 
Exactly. Again, it's it's one of the things. It's it's a trope where you could tell immediately the first second that they show you her, you're like, okay, I get what we're doing with this. She's wearing glasses. She's gonna remove the glasses. Um, she also has a really low self esteem. Like she says, like she asks Corey, which by the way, the way that Corey says yes to this girl is just so insulting. <laughs> yeah, but that, well, I mean, like, like we're getting all over the place. But I do, I definitely want to talk about that because there are a few things one we to go back a little bit what eric says is the type of girl who asks you asks you to the dance tells you a lot about who you are um and so right off the bat there is even though they've removed the whole uh pressure of like boys asking they kind of flipped it back and was like oh the type of person who asks you out now even that has weight to it um, and it tells everyone who you are and, like, your value within the school, depending on who you get asked out by. Um, sure. And I'm like, that's weird. I mean, like, I feel like it would say a lot more about who you accept than it does, who, like, just who asks you out. I don't know. Like, yeah, that, and that's the thing I thought, too, because just because someone asks you out doesn't mean you have to say yes. Exactly. And I, I do understand that thing of, like, of a person of a different I don't know, groups, social yeah, groups, social status, um, ask you out. Maybe that can be seen as detrimental to your reputation, but I just feel like the more people who ask you, the more popular you are. Right. Well, my whole thing was when Ingrid does ask Corey out, my whole, my first thought was Corey was someone worth asking out. That means you have status for her to be like this happy and this excited to be like, wow, she was thrilled. Yeah. She was like Corey Matthews. I said, can't believe yes. in, average guy said yes to me that's when i knew her self-esteem was low (laughs) but also i mean like don't get me wrong that is kind of like an undercut and i also feel like the script put that in there no one would actually say out loud wow one of the normies said yes to me you're like yeah that's so weird (laughs) and then we get this we get this theme again of just Corey being average guy like like like, I feel like anything this... wrong with being average. Most people would love to be just average in high school. Like and everyone I'm... thinks they're below status. I guess what I'm wondering is why, like, like there's this theme that Corey is metaphorically just your everyday kid. Like he's yeah. an average guy. But I don't know. I feel like when you add words like average and normal, it can sometimes exclude people who don't fit into those groups. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. <laughs> wow. If he's average, he's he's the median. He's not quite exceptional in any way. Like, he makes Sean feel self-conscious all the time just by being perceived that way. You know what I mean? Like, it's, like, beneficial to one and detrimental to the other. Yeah, just... which, by the way, like, I do want to point out, Sean is a great friend this episode. I mean, he's a lousy boy uh, <laughs> like he's like like as a he's he's at his peak fuckboyness but at the exact same time he's a great friend to Corey. i i that might be true i think sean is trash in this episode and specifically oh, no. <laughs> there's one scene at the kitchen table that really kind of confirmed that to me hey, uh, what, what part go for it okay so <laughs> Corey and Sean are at the kitchen table and like damn serial killers. They have these cut up <laughs> magazines. They're they're trying to put together like the perfect woman. Yep. 
and Morgan, young, impressionable Morgan, shows up out of the abyss, wherever the fuck she's been. <laughs> and she goes, What do you think? Anger with this hair? And these lips. All right, Morgan, go bring this upstairs to Ingrid and Becky. She's scary looking. Boys like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, boys like that. Was it Corey what? or Sean who said that? It was Corey. Oh, he wow. Says, boys like that. Uh, I don't know. That's just really. Mm. <laughs> what, what do you say? What do you say? What do you say about something like that? No, no, no. So, so it's really funny. Um, yeah, I already I took that exact same note, and I was just like, "Wow, boys like that." A, she's not wrong. I mean, like, it's one of those things where it's really upsetting, but they kind of put a lot of emphasis that it doesn't matter. It doesn't even matter whether or not Ingrid likes what she looks like at the end of it. This is like, this is what boys like. This is the purpose of it. And we're going to make her into someone that other boys want for the sake of Corey, despite what she wants. Like, there's no what, discussion to What her. drove me crazy is that Ingrid, <laughs> Ingrid has no agency. They never consult with her, yet she seems shockingly on board for all of it. Oh yeah, she of course. is so. Um, at what they're like talking about her right in front of her as if she's not even there. About how they they have to come up with a scheme to make her cool, and I'm like, how? Why is she even like listening to this? So what's really interesting to me, and and I have a theory about that. But what's interesting to me is that it's not just the fact that uh, Ingrid, like Ingrid being hot, isn't enough. Like which, like how terrible is that? Where Ingrid comes down the stairs and. Both Becky and Corey are like, wow, you look great. And Sean's like, nope, it's not enough. He's like, what? He's like, she needs something else. I mean, like, yeah, she's hot, but, like, what does that give you? Oh, Sean's <laughs> like, plan is, again, super ridiculous. I mean, what? Like, but I'm not saying that, like, I mean, he's right in the fact that it's it's idiotic, but he's just like, all right, so she's from Sweden, which he, you know, constantly has to be reminded is not Switzerland. Uh, she's from Sweden. And there's, like, topless beaches there. So boys will think about topless beaches whenever they see her, if we can do that, and that'll make her cool. So it's very stupid, but it, yeah. it has Sean comes behind. up with a master plan <laughs> and to it further exploit this girl by bringing it to attention to the fact that in her native country, women go to beaches and wear nothing. So this underage girl probably does the same. Exactly. So exactly. Even when he goes to that one guy, he's like, "Hey, why is she? What's with the clothes?" And he's like, "I gotta tell you something. Under those clothes, she's naked." Totally. <laughs> like, okay, terrible, absolutely terrible. But what I want to get back to is the fact that, again, Ingrid, it's not enough that she looks hot in itself. You know, it's just like a, a lot of the times people think that, like, oh, if I could just look the certain way or do certain things. Um, then no, it, it, it's it's not enough that she looks hot. There also has to be this rumor that she's sexually <laughs> expressive, like exactly. It, and that was what my that's what I was going to say. It's like wow, even being hot isn't enough. Like for guys, you have to have something else. Something you have to be hot and promiscuous that's, and unattainable that's it. in some way. Yeah, absolutely. So, but like, but my theory with Ingrid is that. Um, they they kind of say it explicitly. I don't think it's a positive thing, but the idea that Ingrid wants to be popular, like Corey's like, I'm not with it. I think this is a stupid plan. 
And Ingrid's like, look, I wanted to be popular. Shut up. And I think that that's kind of her motivation with it. Is she understands that they are elevating her social status. Um, yeah, totally. No, I, I do think part of her wants to be popular. And I think like that whole. She explicitly you know, says it. <laughs> yeah. An average guy asked me out thing is supporting this whole low self-esteem idea. But at the same time. And I know we're kind of jumping all over the episode. I, it's fine. Me. Whatever. Um, there seems to be a point at this dance that they end up going to where her and Corey have this learning moment of like, wow, I can't believe we pretended to be something that we weren't, you know, you know, screw trying to be popular, whatever. If we had just gone to the dance ourselves, we would have had a good time. And it just seemed like they had this aha moment. But then a hot guy, a hot popular guy comes up to Ingrid and is like, hey, you want to dance? And Corey's like, what? And she's like, scam loser. I'm about to blow this popular guy. Like, <laughs> why? Where is she message wise? Again, I think I think comparing this episode to all previous episodes of this season we know that they don't really write women well and women are almost always seen as like bitches basically like they're they're always bitchy or they're like they're scheming or that's like how all the girls who are Corey's peers are seen outside of Topanga you know, like, that's just, like, their, their habit. So it's not a surprise to me that they wrote Ingrid to be someone who, um, once she got social status, that's just all that she was about. And to be fair, Corey was the only one who was trying to rationalize their thing. You know, Corey's the one who's like, hey, I'm sorry, I did this for my personal gain. And she was like, yeah, I knew that, which is why I didn't feel bad for blowing you off, which I admired, by the way. I, I, wrote, I wrote down that I actually really applause the fact that she did just straight up tell Corey, hey, you know what? I have a better option. I'm going to go out and I'm going this way. And she did so because she understood that she was being used anyway. So she took yeah. that. And I was like, you know what? That doesn't make her like the ideal date, but, you know, like a, a great role model. But it does give her agency. And I'm here for that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I did feel at all times that she was kind of going with her choice which yes. is fine i guess yeah um, exactly and again so my whole thing is we've seen these guys be terrible and and it's just kind of like played for a joke so i don't mind the fact that she's kind of a player in this episode as like a character uh if this was a real person of course i would think sure. she's terrible but like as a character i'm like you know what girl they were using you you have like new you get yours yeah, you yeah. Get yours. I, because sure, guess what sure. they're not going to be thinking about you next week anyway <laughs> exactly exactly okay so hold on a second i want to go back to one point you made about and i know we've talked about this a lot uh saying that they don't write women well and this this is why i feel like and i know i'm gonna get so much heat for this and i'll put a quarter in the jar whatever it is <laughs> This is why I get so much flack when I say that I really think that Corey and Lauren should have gave it a shot because Topanga's the only girl they've ever wrote that's a worthwhile human being. Of course we think they should be together. Of course, all these other characters are awful women. Why would we want them to end up with Corey? And then this other girl, the one time Corey meets a girl who isn't a monster, 
he he's like, oh, maybe I do like someone else. And I'm like, yeah, Corey, maybe you damn do. You know what? And- I think that is totally worth exploring, especially when we get to the Lauren episode. But I think you're right. I think the fact that so far, and I know we do get like another nice girl down the line, but even that she's played for like, oh my God, she's possessive. She's too nice. You know, it's just like, a, we don't get to really explore women and i'm looking forward to like when angela and rachel join the cast to see how their episodes play out because we just don't write female care side characters well right now um every side character that's not topanga is a bitch and i don't well it's no it seems that any character that they don't want to make a central love interest is a bitch yeah angela was brought on to be sean's girlfriend Rachel was brought on to be a love triangle with Eric and uh, Matt Lawrence. So, like, again, they're there and they're developed characters, but they're developed so they can be the women who stand behind the men. Yeah, but I also, I feel like they're a little bit more flawed or, you know, like they're, they're a little bit more realized. I mean, and maybe, again, I could be misremembering, but I just feel like they're more, they're more characters. They're not perfect. Whereas Topanga is just painted as perfect. Yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? We just have to keep our eyes open about this. Just because, uh, man, I'm really, honestly, <laughs> getting disappointed with this show, with the representation exactly. of Exactly. It's, it's one of those things where it's, uh, we, the whole point of this was to revisit it. And we started off really excited. And I think revisiting this, epi- this uh, series, especially with this podcast, has been interesting. Because you're like, yeah, I did like it. <laughs> but um, maybe maybe I got the lessons I was supposed to get at that time. But rewatching it, you're like, not all these lessons are really clear. Like, I see what you were going for, but you're not really telling it in the way that it that was timeless, like I thought it was. Also, like, we maybe were being too harsh. Like, we literally chose the cream of the crop of, like, like rewatchable 90s television shows. I'm sure if we went to the bottom of the barrel, we would see that this was probably maybe the best there was for the time. Oh, no. I mean, like, the whole uh, Zach Morris's Trash series shows you how terrible, like, the I, uh, the role models we had on television were. Like, it, like it's very, very clear that this wasn't doing, this wasn't uh, outside the realm or the worst we could have gotten. But at the exact same time, it's just when you rewatch something, you're like, yeah, maybe it didn't say the lessons that I thought it did. Yeah, maybe I don't want my kids watching this. <laughs> exactly. So, I mean, like, we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely see. Anyway. Um, so something else I wanted to bring up, um, and this is just kind of a side thing. At one point, we're in Mr. Turner's class, and they're discussing Pygmalion. And I just started thinking, like, when does Turner get a chance to go through all these damn classic literary works? <laughs> like, he must be touching on them, like, a day at a time. Like, there's no way they're reading the entire Odyssey, three Shakespeare plays, and then, oh, by the way, it's Christmas time, and now we're on Pygmalion? What? Yeah, I was thinking that, too. It's just, like, they must be either doing the Cliff Notes version or, like, you know, <laughs> showing the movie in class and then, like, let's talk about it. Because you're right, there's just no way you go through this entire thing as a class or again maybe our education system in florida just wasn't up to par maybe this is what they're doing in philly i don't know i feel like it was one of those english books that just had like little like uh 
clipping like snippets of each classic book and they just kind of discuss the importance that of it. That is true. It could just be a textbook where it's like, oh, this is like a chapter of Pygmalion. Um, so you get the core concept. I think that's totally what it was. That's what we're doing. That's that's my idea going forward. There's just this textbook uh, <laughs> that has so, like excerpts. Um, also, Turner, we found, can really up his Guido anytime oh he wants. Oh my God, of course. <laughs> So now's the time for Turned On by Turner. Um, and I Turn really, On by Turner. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. So in this uh, section of Turned On by Turner, Turned um, on by Turner. <laughs> I will say that, you know, there are a lot of his outfits that didn't really do it for me. Like, because he just is all over the place with, like, his style at this point in time. However... The very first scene that we see him in, if you remove that tie, which is a god-awful tie. All of his ties are awful, bro. Yeah, absolutely awful. Everything else is working. He is working them jeans. They're not the, like, light blue jeans that he loves to wear. These are some black-fitted, cut-the-booty jeans. I'm here for it. Um, and, yeah, that was my... Cut that the was, booty jeans. Yeah, cut the booty jeans. And then, of course, when he did the accent, anyone who does an accent... I'm all about anyone with long hair. I'm all about so Turner doing the accent with long hair and the cup the booty jeans. I was here for long hair, cut the booty jeans. <laughs> That's how you get seeds going, y'all. That's the turned on by Turner moment. <laughs> and this has been turned on by Turner. Turned on by Turner. Ooh. <laughs> um, real fast. I, I remember at one point we were very uh, spec like we were speculating on what Turner's backstory is, what his home life is. Yep. I actually remember that we find out at one point, and it's nowhere close to what... It, like, I didn't look it up. I just remembered the episode where we learn about his backstory, and it's nothing close to what we thought. It's not that, like, he doesn't come from this Italian household <laughs> calling his mother Ma with nine <laughs> sisters. Like, it's... <laughs> a boy can it's, dream. It's a, it's a completely different situation. I think you're actually going to be really surprised. When I am really around. surprised. Or sorry, I will be really surprised. I'm really excited to see where we go with this. Um, but I'm just saying, ABC, you missed out on a great spinoff opportunity. You should really be ashamed of yourselves. 100%. <laughs> okay. Oh, so now I want to talk about the International Women's Network. <laughs> yes. <laughs> What are your thoughts on this? No, I just immediately when I wrote it down, um, I thought because there's a very famous Pete and Pete episode, yes, uh, yes, on Nickelodeon that talks about the international parent hotline or something like that. Yep, and I feel like we've actually heard in this show about this woman's network. Have is this something that's been mentioned before? Where Sean said he was like kind of tapped into it. I have the memory of a goldfish, so you're asking the wrong person. Yeah, I just feel like this is something that's been touched on at some point. Yeah, because Sean says he's he's tapped into the International Women's Network, and that's why he's able to, every time Corey goes through a breakup, Sean comes up <laughs> two seconds later, hey man, I just heard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because the whole, the, how it works is when we're first introduced to it, Eric is telling Corey about it, and he kind of uses Morgan as a guinea pig. And when they went, he, you know, says the thing about dinner and Morgan goes and tells Amy and Amy comes back in the kitchen. She's like, oh, 
the first thing that Eric says is bad news travels even faster. So the idea is that for the rest of the episode, whenever Corey gets bad news, it's just like it's immediate that everyone, all the girls in school know. And it's because Sean's tapped into it. So does he. I do want to give Eric some credit because he does bring out a really good point, which is he's trying to convince Corey to not end the date with Ingrid. And he says, you know, if you do this, like no other girl is going to ask which you, is very smart you're an asshole very and I, smart. I was like i wonder if eric learned that from experience <laughs> you know he did you know that like this is one of those things where having an older brother comes in handy because eric totally made the mistake and like paid the price for it so he is trying to warn Corey and just be like look if you do this <laughs> i'm not saying you can't but if you do it just know that every girl in school will know what you did yeah i i mean Everyone's going to understand that he's an asshole, which he is, yeah. because the only reason he said yes was because he was imagining saying yes to someone else. Exactly. Well, not yeah. only that, but like, I feel like, I feel that, Corey, of course, is awful in this episode, but like, one of the things that really bothered me is when, even when Becky asked him out, um, but no, no, it's not Becky. Uh, what's the other one's name? We were just talking about. Allison. When Allison actually asks him out and they go to the dance and she was like, oh, I thought you knew. Which, by the way, it does, (laughs) well, no, which, by the way, it does seem like everyone knew. Everyone knew what the setup was but Corey because Corey was being self-centered. And I also felt like they, like, she, she made that purposefully, like, vague. I don't will know. You take, will, I asked you to take me to the dance. I didn't ask you to be my date for the dance. Like, that's some bullshit. Yeah, no, I'm not disagreeing. But what I'm saying is when Ingrid echoes the fact that, like, it's been known. Like, everyone knew. I guess. I don't know. I mean, maybe, I mean, Corey doesn't run with the popular crowd. Maybe he just doesn't know. I don't know. But, but he I, doesn't think, seem I like, think it's the fact that Corey doesn't, Corey's always self-centered. And then again, he's just, like, yelling at her and calling her out like she owes him anything in the middle of this party. And I'm just like, she doesn't, she like, you know, she's like, thanks for coming. I don't have to stick around with you. And this is something that everyone knows. I've done, I've done this every year, but of course, because to Corey, she's not a real person. Then he was like, no, but I wanted to go out with you this year. You're supposed to be who I wanted. The other thing that strikes me as weird is that Corey seems to have this like, March Madness style list of who's popular in this high school it has no idea that this pop the most popular girl in school probably has a boyfriend. Like, exactly. Check that's your baseball stats, bro. Like <laughs> you're, you're being a creep by this, calling people. Oh, that's the third most popular girl. Like obviously you're in on the T. So like, what's up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I will like. I do like that. Like in that whole scene, I I didn't like who Corey is. But I do like the idea that when she goes to kiss him, he's like, keep your pity kiss. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I actually like that they're showing her use her sexuality as like a way of apologizing. And Corey's like, sure. you know what? No. <laughs> um, I had a question. What did you think of this whole um, Jonathan and Miss Tompkins? Is she going to ask him, dragging him along? What did you think of that little BC story? I thought it was stupid. Um, I thought it was stupid, and I knew why they did it. Um, This is another one of those things where I feel like they were like, we have this person here, why not use it? And kind of flip the tables and give Mr. Turner a little bit more screen time. 
but ultimately, we knew that there was like literally, if there was, here's the thing, if there was another female teacher at all, maybe there would have been some stakes in this. You know what I mean? I'll tell you, I don't think they have any chemistry. I don't like them at all. I feel like Miss Tompkins is boring. I don't feel like she's ever had a storyline with Jonathan that I thought was interesting. I think she's just like the only other bangable teacher in his age range, in his sexual orientation that he has to choose from. But like, no, remember earlier in the season, we had Miss Kim, uh, Mrs. Kim, who was a sex ed teacher. And oh yeah that's right her. no see here's the thing if they had brought her into here that would have been a very interesting b storyline so there's two yeah. women he doesn't know which one but you know he has more chemistry with uh miss thompson or whatever and like he's hoping for her and or, or whatever it's supposed to be i would have liked that as a storyline but the only other faculty member outside of feeney um, and he's like, oh, will they, won't they? It's just played for a stupid little thing, and it, it was useless. Uh, that being said, I will say that Feeney, it's it's another thing where it's like he kind of pimps her out and it's just like, hey, don't forget that, you know, girls ask the boys. And then when they're at the dance, he's like, why would you waste your time? Like, you're, you're a terrible chaperone. Yeah, Feeney, <laughs> you wanted them to show up together. Clearly, you wanted them to bang. And then at one point, Jonathan and Miss Tompkins are like, hey – why don't you go 69 that woman over there by the table? <laughs> and then George is like, oh, yes, that's, uh, I'm her boss. I yeah, will exactly. absolutely go try to hit that. But Excuse me. Seen as our, it's just shown as Mr. Feeney is jealous. You know what I mean? Like, that's how it's, it comes off. It's just like, oh, he was only this way because he didn't have anyone. They remind him that he's still able to bone. And he's like, all right, cool. Gotcha. I'm on my way out. Yeah. Like, it's just, it's just, I, I I don't like what they do with any of the men in this episode. Um, <laughs> hey, one thing I wanted to point out. Did you notice that when they're at the school dance, they're drinking out of those same, like, red Pizza Hut buffet cups that they have at Chubby's? No, I didn't notice that. Oh, God, yeah, I do love those. those yeah, do you remember those? The, like, the Pizza Hut? Yeah. Pizza Hut parties? <laughs> oh, also, like, how homophobic is this dance? Like, do gay kids not get to go? Oh, are you kidding me? You think gay kids are like allowed to exist in this school at this point in time? Well, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> if the girls like ask the boys, like, they are dude, not even thinking about that. Like, as I know. Far I'm as sorry. They're <laughs> concerned. Gay kids don't even exist. Those are myths. Those are unicorns in this universe. No, they're beating up kids for lunch money and then doing poetry about it. You know what? Maybe all the gay kids are like in the lockers, stuffed in the lockers together, and that's their yep. their one on one metaphor closet. <laughs> nice. I like it. There are Yo, like two more things I want to point out real quick. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I have one more thing. So go ahead. All right. One, Alan and Amy when <laughs> that was stupid <laughs> well not only is it stupid but the only reason why i'm bringing it up this uh not even the storyline but the characters is when amy is like again that thing where they kind of undercut the female's feminist point is amy's like hey this is such an unrealistic standard of beauty that we're teaching girls yada 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 and then she goes, where did you get this? And he, Corey goes, on your nightstand. Yeah. And I, this is like, I was just okay, like, why again. are you doing this? Because <laughs> they wanted to, it's, it's that joke where it's like, oh, women be feminists, but they also be hypocrites. <laughs> and you know what? I will say that the Amy one came off 
slightly more naturally than Topanga's. Because I do understand that contradiction of women not liking yes. that yes. this representation, but at the same time, like embracing like other aspects of those magazines. So exactly. um, I do think that's an innate contradiction that could be, you know, thought of as a joke. But Topanga's just seemed so out of character that I was like, whoa, whoever wrote this episode does not know who Topanga is. Exactly, character. exactly. But the only other part I wanted to point out from that scene is Amy's next line is, you didn't open the top drawer, did you? Yeah, the sex drawer <laughs> joke. Because Alan and Boom Boom be fucking them. Yep, that's what I wanted to say. You done it. They constantly remind us that Amy and Alan, Why? if they and don't that have anything else in their marriage, they have a healthy sex life. <laughs> Why add that joke in at all? Who is this show for? <laughs> Exactly. So, I mean, and like, and what's that even? What's that joke for? Like, uh, is it supposed to be so parents who are watching can like switch it up? They're like, oh yeah, we got some stuff in our top drawer. Yeah, yeah, we got a drawer too. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, <laughs> I think it's really funny that they're the boys are about to go to the dance and like Alan and Amy are shooing them off. Yeah, and then Alan from behind the couch pulls off this like this comically large tray of like grapes and candles and shit. Yeah. And I'm like, Eric and Corey just walked down the stairs. Did they not see this, like <laughs> these candles and grapes on the damn floor? Nope. Uh, out of sight, out of mind. But I will say what's funny. Positioning. To me, yeah. Positioning. What's funny to me is, or sorry, what I wanted to ask you is what do you think is in Alan and Amy's sex store? I think that, there is some light bondage stuff. Oh. I don't think I don't think there's any um I don't think there's any like uh phallic shaped anything <laughs> like dildos or, or vibrators. I don't really see any of that. I see like handcuffs. I see like blindfolds. I see like maybe a feather. I something classy. For something you would have got for like forty bucks at the Spencer Gifts in nineteen ninety seven. Like for who though? Like do you think that like Amy's handcuffing Alan? I think that, and I think it's a very playful, very TGIF, like, <laughs> cops and robbers type of sex play. Good for them. Healthy lifestyles. Health, yeah, whatever. They're, they're still getting it. Yeah, know? good for them. They have three kids. They, yeah. they're figure, they figured it out. Exactly. Um, All right, what was why, that one you wanted to bring up? Yeah, why was this a Christmas episode? <laughs> Just because of, of timing, just because of release date, that's it. I, what a damn waste of a Christmas episode. Yeah, there's really no reason to even, uh, there's like no reason at all. Why not save the story for like next week? Like why, why, I, I just feel like it was a waste. No, you're right. There's no reason for Christmas imagery. Like even the, like the, even the dance isn't a holiday party. You know, it's like, it's not even yeah. like the, the winter solstice or anything like that. They're just... But the episode did end the same way that last season's Christmas episode ended. And to my theory, all the Christmas episodes end with like a posed picture that ah, has like a season's greeting something right. or another. You're right. It does. I forgot about that. Yeah. That's really, that's interesting. But, you know, I also kind of liked the ending. It was a little... Yeah, the end of the episode is basically like, Sean got dumped, Corey got dumped, Eric got dumped. Sean didn't and get dumped. Sean made that very clear. <laughs> <laughs> His date just disappeared. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like this idea that it's just like... Because I feel like that's kind of what high school was. It was just like a bunch of like kids 
who couldn't be as cool as they wanted to, and they just kind of embraced their suck together. Yeah, well, that's what that's why I said the lesson is very murky here because if like the fact that Corey Corey is like sitting all alone and he's just like I'm a loser, and then we see Eric and he's like, oh yeah, my date basically did the same thing. Whereas like once we got here, she was like, oh my boyfriend's in town, and then Sean was like, oh yeah, it's very typical of the girl that I brought to spend the entire time talking to other girls in the bathroom. So. You know, it's just like a, this is just how it goes. If they would have played it off like that, like he did all of this just to, for them all three to be there. And that was the moral of the lesson, which is that you made this really big deal about it. But at the end of the day, you were all going to end up without women or without dates. You know what I mean? Is, is to, like, honestly, what my expert Boy Meets World opinion is that the last, like, handful of episodes have all had the same central lesson, which is, fuck those hoes, be true to your boys. <laughs> like, that's honestly what it seems like. Like, the end of this episode, fuck those hoes, be true to your boys. When they did the thing where they swapped the girls, the the chicken and the meatloaf. Yeah. So, like, it's the same thing. Like, all of this is just, like, you can treat women badly, they'll get mad at you, but screw them, who cares, you got your homie. Yep, pretty much. What Gross. is this show? Bros before hoes. I expected more from you, Boy Meets World. You're letting me down. Bros before ho-ho-hoes. Oh, bros before <laughs> ho-ho-hoes. I, you know what? All right. All right. Oh, no. Again, a perfect way to end it. I think, I think that's it. I think we did it. I think we did it perfectly. Oh, perfect. Anything else you want to say? No, I think that I think we covered it. This episode was was all over the place. But I think you guys, if you watch the episode, you can understand why we had a hard time covering, like, all of this just this bananas cuckoo craziness. I I just don't even know what to do with it at all. Okay, so how about your lesson? Do you have any lesson? Do you think? Uh, I'll, I said it once and I'll say it again. Fuck those hoes. Be true to you. <laughs> Bros before ho ho hoes. Bros before ho like, I honestly don't know what else the lesson is. I mean, like be be more attractive to be cool because that seems to work. <laughs> that's what, that's what I was gonna say. I was like, even though I think the the lesson is kind of murky, one of the bro bro moments that I was like, oh, you know, um, that's really interesting is when Mr. Turner's like, how you speak, how you walk affects how you're gonna do in life. You guys believe that? And I thought that was a, like a really good snippet. And of course they use it to do the she's all that with Ingrid. But I think that's, that's something that all everyone in high school knows. And it would have been a little bit better to explore that whole theme. I wish that they could explore that. And at the same time, try to understand the balance between that and, hey, if you make a nerdy girl hot, she'll get popular. Because... There is still nothing that tells me that if I'm unattractive, if I become attractive, I'll be instantly be popular. Like that message still seems very clear. So I just wish that there was like a, yeah, how you present yourself matters, but how you look doesn't matter, if that makes sense. I get, yeah, I think, I, I think I'm... I just it, don't know. I don't know how to make amends of that contradiction of of present yourself well but at the same time like 
looks matter, but it's not all that matters. I yeah, guess. and again, like I think even like even if you want to go with that, they don't even do that because they never really the show never really comments on Ingrid's personality change. You know, they don't they don't necessarily judge it within the show. It's supposed to be seen as like, oh, she's flighty and of course uh, a social climber, but it's not like no one in the show is like, how dare that girl? You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, it's just it's. But that was like a broad moment for me where I was like, you know, that's kind of good and I wish they had explored it. That's a good line that I wish had had more depth. Yeah. Word. All right. Grades. What grade are you giving it? Um, You know what? I think it failed in a lot of the messaging that was trying to give across. But I thought it was a like subjectively like it's an interesting episode. It's an entertaining episode. I agree. And because of that, I'm going to give it like a B plus. Ooh, I'm going to give it a C plus. Uh, okay. And I'm going to give it a C plus for everything that you just said, but I feel that there's just so much extra that's not necessary. Like the the storyline with Mr. Turner and Miss Thompson, like that's not really well done. Uh, the little scene with Alan and Amy, although cute, especially the idea that like Eric encourages them to still have whatever they can for the rest of the, their evening it's just like it doesn't really tie in in any way. So uh, I why like are you making it. all these? You're making these true points, bro. And you're right. You're so <laughs> right. Like I'm romanticizing the show that was my favorite growing up. But you're right. It's problematic as fuck, and I need to let go and give <laughs> this the C that it deserves. I'm not going to go C minus, but it is a it's a C. Yeah. And it's I mean separate from like the writing and the acting like. That's one thing, but I feel like just to be true to the podcast, like I have to take into account how it ages. Like I just have to. So I don't know. Okay. So we have that. How about homework? Are you ready for homework? Yes. So my homework for this week is I've become a real uh, big fan of Jada Pickett Smith's uh, Red Table Talks. Um, I just think they're really interesting. Um, I think it's a really, um, it's really interesting to see adults having conversations about feelings and how they're approaching social problems and political problems and not in the way that's yelling or trying to get their point across or um, undermining anyone else at the table. It's just like just adults talking and listening to each other. And I think it's just so refreshing to see just honest, true conversation. And what's interesting is that Jay Smith is doing it with Willow, who's her daughter and her mother. Um, and I, I think generationally, just to hear three different black women from three different generations talk about their perception of the world is really fascinating to me. So, um, yeah, I'd highly recommend it. All right. That's that's great. My homework is kind of uh, a repeat. I had mentioned BoJack Horseman previously, um, and I talked about how it like helped with my depression and all this other stuff. But this season, the latest season just came out, season five, and the entire season arc is about... Um, feminism and how it's being co-opted by like Hollywood and kind of diluted and how well-intentioned men somehow still have effect um, and like they never really pay the consequences that the women do even when they are harmed so it's a really really great um, company piece to this episode where it's like you we were just talking we're like we're two guys talking about women's issues and all this other stuff and i think it's really great um to just kind of explore what that's like from a female perspective because one of the things that this show does or that bojack does this season which i loved is um 
they one of the characters realizes that if she writes all of these think pieces and has the male character Bojack say them, then people will listen. And he goes, he says something along the lines of, that's the problem with feminism. Men weren't doing it before. And now that they are, people listen. And it's yeah. absolutely, it's a terrible joke, but it's kind of like a reality. And I just think basically going back to what you were even saying with the Red Table Talks, giving that voice back to the women and even with like all of these, like me recommending the Bechdel cast and all this other stuff, it's like seeing their perception of it is way better than us just talking about it. But, 100%. It's, but it's also really great. Um, well, I, I also want to say too yeah. that like, I, I want to say that we didn't start this podcast to be like this um, feminist podcast. It's Not at all. <laughs> ending up that there's just a lot of sexist issues in this particular show so far. Um, so we're like naturally kind of like standing up for the women's perspective on it. Um, if it were race, if it were uh, sexuality, which again, we've tried to point out those as equally as we've seen them. It's just, we're seeing this so much more and that's, what's disappointing. You know, as I completely agree. And I think that especially as you said, you and I kind of went into this just to be like, oh, yeah, we love Boy Meets World. Let's see how it holds up. And as two progressive young men, we're just like, oh, you know, even from my perspective, I feel like, you know, it's like, a, yeah. I feel like this ain't right. This ain't cool. <laughs> but it is, it's, uh, I just think that this season really, really does, um, it, what, it, what it does, uh, again, if you want to edit this however you want to, but I just think it's really interesting, is it, also ask the question, just because we call out a problematic character, does that normalize it or does it actually make things better? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's a really good question to ask when we're doing things like watching Boy Meets World and in some ways defending or like pushing past Corey's terrible behavior. But it's just kind of like, ah, what are you going to do? Um, and, I, you know, I just like the questions worth asking. Sure. Sure. So that is our episode, though. Yeah, that was our episode. Good episode. Good episode. Yeah, lots, lots to talk about. Lots of meat on this bone. Lots of meat. I love that meat. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> All right. Uh, so thank you guys for listening. Oh, hey, real fast. Uh, just before we go, um, someone wrote in a name for my penis. Well, <laughs> <laughs> how back and forth we go. Feminism. <laughs> penis joke. Uh, okay, so but you're right, you're right. Someone did. Do you want to give her a shout out? Because I want to make sure that we. Give I don't. I don't. I. I I'm sorry. It. I don't have the the mail in front of me to. Give it to me. Hold on one second. All right. So this is Savannah. Savannah G is what I'm just gonna say her name because I don't think you want all your biz out there. But Savannah G wrote in and we asked for unnamed genitalia and uh, she suggested Big Sean. Uh oh! Great, <laughs> Big Sean. I think that's an absolutely perfect name, and so shall it be written. So shall it be done. Um, you know what? I'm I'm not so quick to marry the idea. No offense to Savannah. I'm gonna try out Big Sean for a while and see how this hat fits before we start making things permanent. <laughs> you know what? You gotta you gotta give him at least like a tour. You know, like the big yeah. Sean no, tour. don't get me wrong. I'll give him a decent trial run, but I'm not gonna buy it without trying it. Sorry. As you shouldn't. No one never buy it without trying it. 
<laughs> All right, so uh, going back to it, thank you so much for listening to Brownie's World. Uh, remember, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, all the things. Keep leaving us ratings, keep interacting with us on social media. Uh, all of it's at Brummeets World or email us at Brummeetsworld at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege, that's X T R A C E E J. Uh, Tonacy? You can find me um, on Instagram at me. You can also find me... You, you know what I've been doing a lot recently? What? I've been dreaming. <laughs> I've been trying. And I've been doing good lately. And I think that's <laughs> something that's really worked out well for me. If you guys wanted to, to try that. I don't know if that's... You know what? I, think, I think everyone should... Uh, thanks for the reminder. Um... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> mind throwing that out there. It's just something that I've been doing that's really been helpful. All right, cool. So, uh, later, bros. Later, bros. <laughs>